The peace of our Lord be with you. Now, concerning food sacrificed to idols, something all of us wonder about frequently. <laughs> Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Concerning food sacrificed to idols, we know that all have knowledge but while knowledge puffs up, love builds up. With those words from today's epistle lesson, Paul takes up a subject which apparently was a significant source of conflict for the community of faith in the city of Corinth. The question of whether or not it was sinful for followers of Jesus to eat meat which was left over from animals which had been sacrificed in pagan temples. A question so large in the Corinthian congregation that it will consume not just the lectionary passage we read this morning, but all of chapters 8, 9, and 10 of 1 Corinthians. Based on some of what Paul says in chapters 8, 9, and 10 of 1 Corinthians, it seems safe to say that Paul knows, as we used to say back home, in his heart, that whether or not one eats meat from animals offered to idols is not something that matters to God as a moral issue. Paul says as much in verse 8 of today's scripture lesson where he says, we are no worse off if we do not eat and we are no better off if we do eat. Apparently, this question about eating meat from animals offered to idols is just not an issue as far as Paul is concerned. In fact, over in chapter 10, still talking about this same subject, Paul goes so far as to say, eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. And if an unbeliever invites you to a meal, eat whatever they serve without raising any question on the ground of conscience. Add to that the fact that in today's passage, Paul referred to those Corinthian Christians who thought it was a sin to eat meat which had been offered on a pagan altar as the weaker brothers and sisters. And to those who knew better and had moved on as the stronger brothers and sisters. And it seems clear that Paul believed that those who were worried about the meat-eating question were holding on to something that they really needed to let go of. And yet, 
in that same section of 1 Corinthians, Paul said other things which made his position on this less clear. For example, over in chapter 10, in one verse, Paul said, food sacrificed to idols means nothing because the idol means nothing. But then in the next verse, he said that what pagans sacrifice on those false altars, they sacrifice to demons. And Christians cannot eat at the table of the Lord and at the table of demons. Which sounds as though he does believe that eating meat left over from pagan sacrifices is a moral, spiritual issue after all. To read all of 1 Corinthians chapters 8, 9, and 10 is to get the feeling that Paul knows in his heart what is true about this issue. But he genuinely loves all the Corinthians with their widely varying opinions so deeply that he's trying to be mindful of everyone's feelings and he's trying to make sure that everyone else in the congregation is mindful of and sensitive to everyone else's opinion. In fact, he says as much when at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, when he's wrapping up this whole section he says, I try to please everyone about everything. <laughs> Poor Paul. <laughs> the verse in the Bible, by the way, with which I most closely identify. <laughs> Paul wraps up the whole thing by saying, do not offend anyone. And... Try to please everyone. <laughs> uh, all of which is a first century snapshot of the every century complexity of trying to be a person of both love and truth while not sacrificing one on the altar of the other. In today's passage, Paul seems to say that if we have to choose between the two, love and truth, love is the more important of the two. Knowledge puffs up, he says in today's passage. But love builds up. But of course, it isn't always that simple, is it? Because sometimes the most loving thing a person can do is to speak the truth. Because sometimes it is speaking the truth that does build up other people's lives. There are times in all of our lives, 
when what we need most is for someone to love us enough to tell us the truth. For example, because of the religious world in which I was raised, by the time I reached young adulthood, I was blessed with every kind of moral restraint that a lifetime spent in the religion of the Bible Belt can place around a person's life. But I was also burdened with a kind of Christianity that was designed to protect the power and control of those of us who already held all the power and control. That kind of Bible Belt Christianity that reflects so little of the spirit of Jesus because it is designed to make sure that those of us who were born on the easy side of every human difference always have all the power and control. So, I was what Paul called in today's passage the weaker brother. And what I needed was not for the stronger, more spiritually mature brothers and sisters who came into my life to pretend that I was right so they wouldn't offend me. The last thing I needed was that kind of love. I needed somebody in my life who loved me enough to tell me the truth. In fact, think about this for a moment. If we always ordered our life along the lines that Paul gave us this morning, then no one would ever grow deeper in their faith because no one would ever say anything that the ears of the most shallow members couldn't bear to hear. If the stronger brothers and sisters are always only going to say what the weaker brothers and sisters can bear to hear, then the church never grows any deeper than the most shallow spirit. So, there you have it, the complex corner 
where truth meets love and love meets truth. In the church, our job is never to sacrifice the truth on the altar of love. But neither can we ever sacrifice love on the altar of truth. Because, as Paul said, knowledge puffs up. People get arrogant, proud, sarcastic. But love builds up. But how, how do you live at the intersection of truth and love? Love and truth never for one moment sacrificing one on the altar of the other. That, my sisters and brothers, is why we have the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian, you need to be doing at least one thing in your life that you could not do if there were no Holy Spirit. You ought to be able to name something sitting right here this morning that you are doing that you absolutely could not do if there were no Holy Ghost at work in your life. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Actually making it possible for us to spend our lives practicing the skill of speaking the truth to the extent that we have seen it. Never with arrogance, sarcasm, exaggeration, or unkindness, but always, in every case, with Quaker, quiet gentleness, what the poet Naomi Shihab Nye calls the tender gravity of kindness. A skill none of us will ever finish practicing for as long as we live because no matter how long we live we will never finally fully get this right. This challenging, demanding, complex, life-changing, kingdom-bringing, Jesus-honoring, Holy Ghost-empowered life of truth and love, love and truth. Amen.